The topic that I want to talk about, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed, was given to me as I was in prayer the other day. I was asking the Lord, what would you have me to say in our next posting? If the sun sets you free, that is Jesus, you will be free indeed. John chapter 8, verse 36. When Jesus sets us free, we are free indeed. You might ask, free from what? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want to talk about this. Jesus sets us free from sin. You might ask, what sin? And why do I need to be set free from sin? Well, again, I'm glad you asked because I want to talk about that as well. Hello, brothers and sisters. I am Daniel Morgan of Go Ye Harvest Outreach Ministry. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you very much for taking time to review our video recordings. It is our desire that not only will you review this recording, but others that we have posted as well. It is also my desire and my prayer that the words I speak in this video recording, which will probably be in three parts, that they will speak to you under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Before we dive into the word, let me just share a portion of my testimony, something about myself, which I believe is very relevant. It is my prayer that in hearing this portion of my testimony, you will be encouraged in some way that you will pray and ask God to speak to you as he did to me. You see, I was born and raised in Macon, Georgia. I graduated from Mercer University in 1982. While in my second year there, I took several Christian courses to help me understand the cultural shock I was going through as I left my rather sheltered world of Pentecostal upbringing and entered the secular world. While I could nod the word that was in me and my beliefs about the Bible and the Bible being the inerrant word of God, I recall deciding in my mind and resolving in my heart that this Christian thing, this Bible thing, was too difficult for me to understand and that I would just live my life as a good little Christian but not get too close to the fire. That is, get too close to God because I just did not understand so much. People of God, I asked God to be patient with me for 40 years as I led a rather lukewarm Christian life. All of you probably know what God thinks about Christians who are lukewarm. We are told in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 through 16, what God thinks about such people. The word of God says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. 
would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now mind you, I have been told since I was a child, I was called to preach and did preach to an extent as a child. But by the time I was in my late teens, I wanted nothing to do with preaching. I did not want to be a mama called and a daddy sent preacher or minister. You see, I met two friends, seeing they are, in my mid-teenage years that led to my becoming addicted to them. And those two friends stayed with me for a very long time. Over the years, no matter how much I desired, I was not able to give them up. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you know what I'm talking about? That unless the Lord Jesus sets you free from sin, there is no freedom. You see, I would just like the word says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 15 through 25. Let me summarize that for you. I was struggling with sin in my life because I had not turned my life completely over to Christ. And as such, I had not been set free from sin so that I was free indeed. I did not understand why I continued to do what I did. For what I wanted to do, people, that is to be obedient and follow Christ completely, I could not. But what I hate doing, the private sins that were in my life, these I kept on doing. And as the Apostle Paul goes on to say, the principle of sin was at work in me. When I wanted to do good, these little friends of mine, these two sins were right there with me. In my inner being, I delighted in the laws of God. I enjoyed talking about God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. But because I had not truly submitted to Christ, so that I was free indeed, the law of sin was at work in my body. Warring against what I knew to be right in my mind, but I was being held captive to sin that was still desiring to possess me. I was like the Apostle Paul says, a wretched man. I was looking good on the outside, but torn and messed up on the inside. I began to seriously cry out to God. Please rescue me. Save me, God, from this sin I seem to have no control over. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, he did. And as my favorite aunt would say to us, when you get serious with God, he will get serious with you. I lived a decent life with my hidden sins. I attended church, took my family to church. I paid my tithe. But having a heart of David, I continually repented and always felt joyful when having discussions or conversations about the word of God. I participated in and led Bible studies over the years in several places, including Saudi Arabia, Fordham in California, and in Washington, D.C. But I continued to be a lukewarm Christian for Christ, and I straddled the fence. A few years ago, I began to sense that God wanted me to begin doing what he had called me to do. But I still had no desire to preach or to get out of my comfort zone. I thought perhaps my wife Joyce and I would get involved in some type of ministry we enjoyed working with young people, so I thought maybe older teenagers and the 20-somethings would be the group that we would work with. But people of God, 
how interesting it is when God does finally get a hold of us when we become serious with him and about him. You see, last year the Lord made it clear that he had been patient with me for 40 years and it was time that I be about his business. We lost our oldest son, Christopher, in March of last year. He had just turned 40 years old the previous month of February. By May, I could get no rest as the thought of getting into the ministry began to consume me. I was working in Washington, D.C. for the federal government with the Department of Defense Inspector General Agency. I was back and forth between D.C. and my home here in Georgia, and I was also torn about what to do with my job. Do I take a deferred retirement because I'm not yet 62 years old, or do I continue to work? On May 3rd of last year, I was sitting in my car at a traffic light on Seminary Road in Alexandria, Virginia, about eight miles or so from downtown Washington, D.C. The thought crossed my mind, Lord, are you returning soon? The word of confirmation the Lord had given me came forth. I wanted to be sure, so I asked again, Lord, are you soon to return? The word of confirmation came again very powerfully that it rocked my body as I sat in the car. It came across my mind that perhaps I should get busy about the ministry the Lord had begun to reveal to me. And again, the word of confirmation came forth again. On June the 2nd of last year, I went on a seven-day fast of primarily water, though I did eat some raisins and a few saltine crackers. I was in my car that day, and I was driving back to D.C., and the word of confirmation came forth twice as it was revealed to me that perilous time was coming and that the ministry that God was calling me to was to be an end-time ministry. The Lord also revealed to me that if I got the ministry up and running, he would provide it a home. He did. We incorporated the ministry with the board of trustees and the officers on June 18th. Within two minutes of closing the meeting to incorporate the ministry, the spouse of one of the trustees said to me, we have a place for the ministry. This trustee and his spouse had held 2,600 square feet of business space in their building, empty for 14 years because they were told by the Lord that the entire building was to be used for ministry. Thank God for faithfulness of people that know him and trust him. Back to my fasting at the beginning of June of last year. As I came to the end of the fast that Saturday, June the 8th, I got on my knees and I prayed. And people, I prayed honestly. I had been fasting for seven days and I really wanted the Lord to speak to me. After a while, I stopped praying and became silent before the Lord. And then I said, Lord, I do not want this fasting to be in vain. Lord, would you please speak to me? I became quiet and the Spirit of God spoke to me like never before. The Lord told me, my command I give unto you, preach the gospel and I will show you great things. 
Your sins are forgiven. The gift of healing I give unto you. Anoint with oil. People of God, these are exact things I have been desiring and wanting of the Lord probably all of my life since my childhood when I was being faithful to the Lord as best a child could be. In that moment, the Spirit of God told me exactly what I needed to hear and gave me the peace that I had never had. So I said, Lord, start with me so that I can speak your word with boldness and with confidence. I thought, Lord, will you confirm this? The word had already come forth, but the Lord said to my spirit, I have confirmed it, but I will confirm it again. When I finished praying, I was very excited. I called and spoke with my wife, Joyce, who was here in Georgia. I also called my sister, Minister Denise McGee. When I shared with her, the Lord had given me the command to preach the gospel. When I said this, the word of confirmation came forth so loud and so powerful that I sat up in bed and I was sure I had startled or scared the lady with whom I was living with while I was there in D.C. At the end of the fast, on that Saturday night, God met me and delivered me from those desires of the flesh that had plagued my life for so many years. He can do the same for you. You get serious with him, seek him, fast and pray, and I promise you, our God is faithful, and he will visit you in a way that you have never experienced. Since that time, June of last year, I have been consumed with a desire that I can't explain, a desire to do only that which pleases God, to pray continually, mornings and evenings, to fast regularly as led by the Holy Spirit, and to do the work of the ministry that he has called me to do. This brings me back to the sermon. When the Lord sets you free, you are free indeed. John 8, 36. You know, people of God, God loves his creation. He loves us so much. He made us in his own image. We are told in Genesis 1, that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And consider Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. You see, when God made man, he gave us a mind and free will. And as such, sin entered the world. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, the one man Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because we all sin. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam sinned by disobeying God, and all the ground was cursed because of it. Once sin was released in the world because of Adam's sin, 
We not only had disobedience by the second generation, we had murder, jealousy, and envy as demonstrated when Cain killed his brother Abel in chapter 4. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is at your door. And it desire is for you. But you should rule over it. It is the same with us. If we do not completely submit to the Lord so that we are free from the hold of sin, sin will rule our lives. Thanks be to God, brothers and sisters, that because of his love for us, he made a way for us to be redeemed, free from sin and the penalty of death. Let's look at chapter one of the Gospel of John. It talks about Jesus, who was in the beginning with God and became flesh. Jesus was God among us for our sake. Beginning with verse one, it reads, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word that is Jesus was God. He, that is Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through him, we're talking about Jesus, all things were made and without him, that's Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. In him, that is again Jesus, was life and that life was the life of all mankind. It goes on to say that Jesus was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now get this people of God, yet to all, that is all of us, yet to all who did receive him, to all of us, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but of the will of God. The word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Then John the Baptist gave this testimony regarding Jesus. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. God had a plan of salvation to redeem us back to himself since the beginning. The word of God tells us in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 that God showed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then in Isaiah 59 verses 1 through 2, we are told that the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save or his ear dove that it cannot hear. But our iniquities have made a separation between us and God, and our sins have hidden his face from us so that God does not hear. Brothers and sisters, 
This tells us that while God hears and knows all, God has no obligation to the sinner except to hear his plea for forgiveness and repentance. The Apostle Paul tells us that all of us who receive him, that is Jesus, to those who believe in his name, Jesus gives us the right to become children of God. In becoming a child of God, we are free. Jesus sets us free. And as I said before, some who might not know the word or be familiar with scripture ask, free from what? Jesus sets us free from sin. Now, brothers and sisters, about sin, from which we must be set free in order to become a child of God, the scripture has much to say. James 1, verse 12 through 15 tells us, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person, each one of us, is tempted when we are lured and enticed by our own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, give birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, give birth to death. Brothers and sisters, we sin because of the desire to do so that comes from our thoughts. For whatever reason, we then think on this sin in our minds, or we desire it in our hearts such as lust and envy, or we act it out as lying, stealing, murder, sodomy, adultery, excessive drinking that leads to drunkenness and the like. The word of God tells us there is a way that seems right to us, but its end leads to death. And then Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We are told in 1 John chapter 1 that if we say we have no sin, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, that is God the Father, a liar and his word is not in us. So then, what is sin that Christ sets us free from? Brothers and sisters, as I said, we need Jesus to set us free from sin and its consequences of death. So what is this sin? I'm glad you keep asking. James chapter 4 verse 17 says that whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Also, 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, verse 18 tells us every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. We are to put to death, therefore, what is earthly, that is sin, in us, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, and evil desires. But then one asks, you're asking, these specific acts of disobedience. Okay, I'm getting there. According to 1 John 
chapter 5, verse 17, as I said, all wrongdoing is sin. This includes sexual sins of immorality, such as adultery, pornography, sodomy, masturbation, adultery, fornication, the use and addiction to drugs, such as methane, cocaine, crack, heroin, drunkenness, the abuse of alcoholic substances, gambling, glutton, overeating, lying, cheating, slander, lust, and the list goes on.